You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Thought. I'm Paul Mann. I'm Rachel Nemeth. And I'm Tom Canning. And welcome to episode 126 of the Real Reading Podcast. Like us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod and search for Real Reading Podcast Group to join us on Facebook. Well, that was a lovely two weeks off, a lovely little two week break. You may have heard a little podcast uh, I created very quickly with some old interviews. I hope you enjoyed those. I was going to do one last week and then I just remembered I was moving house and had no time whatsoever. So there we go. Um, however, you take two weeks off and you get usurped by a new Reading-based podcast from Stir. What? Everyone knows who uh, Stir is, right? Yeah. Um, it's the confusingly titled Educating Rita about Reading, in which two blokes, one called Rita and sounding suspiciously like he's from Sheffield, um, rather than, than Liverpool as in the film, chat about the Forbury line and I believe different parts of Reading going on. Um, I think I liked it. Um, I'm not really sure. I don't think I learned anything, but I think that was kind of the point. Um, anyone else listen to it? No, I've not even no. heard of it. No, oh. I didn't even know it existed. You're raising awareness of it here, Tom. Well, <laughs> you are. Move. <laughs> no, this is, this is fine because I, I chatted to the man behind Stair briefly about it because he said he was coming for us. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, fighting yeah. tour. Yeah, yeah. wow. Um, you know, I said, um, I said, well, we won't even bother putting one out this week then. So this, this was obviously last week. Is that so why we, we had a break? Yeah, we just didn't, didn't bother. I just thought, you know, let him have his fun. Let him let have his minute his in the sunshine. Glory. Yeah. <laughs> um, there was some, someone who said uh, one of the replies to it was, uh, I think all of this is in jest, but one of the replies was, oh, that's 20 minutes of my life. I'll never get back. And I just replied, it could be worse. Ours is an hour. <laughs> you've got to be able to poke fun at yourself you know well, you can't be too yeah. based about these things um uh, have a listen i thought it was i thought it was all right uh it, it, all right i thought it was, it was quite good it was a good way to spend 20 minutes whilst walking around my new village um it, you know it was all right meanwhile meanwhile we've had a question and i think paul might be the man no pun intended to answer it hey paul um a question posed to us uh, just recently on Twitter. Um, in the area where Reading FC's Elm Park used to be, are there any reminders of the ground uh, like there is on that housing estate in Middlesbrough? It's got a uh, like a, a, a penalty spot with a ball made of, I think it's copper or, or something or other, bronze football. Is there any sort of reminder? Because I thought there, sh- there was, but like, there's the penalty spot marked, the part where the, the area where Robin Friday sulked off at some point or... Did something crazy? I don't think there is. No. I don't think there is. No, I, I mean, I haven't actually been there since. It would be such a weird experience to walk around that area. Yeah. But um, if they could have anything, it should be have one of those like, petrol burgers they used to have in the South Bank. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. And the smell of it coming off it. 
There was oh. a combination of smells. I won't go into the full combination because this is not the right time, but it was a pretty unique aroma that it came off. And if they, if they could have that there, that would be amazing. But no, I don't think there is, sadly. There should be. Yeah, I feel like that's that you need to. I don't know. It feels a real shame because I know there's an Elm Park, is it Elm Park Road off Tylerst Road, uh, and I think I think if you walk around, I think it's Norfolk. Was it Norfolk Road? Is that the one? There's a little. Yeah, bit yeah. Of, my friend. Like a wall. Uh, yeah, a friend of my mum's used to live there, and she used to clean the uh, kit for Reading FC. Yeah. And sometimes during a match, a ball would come into her front garden. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> so, yeah, yeah, different times. There, yeah, very different times. It's what happened not... to all the stuff when the ground closed? Was there the opportunity to kind of buy any? Was it all standing? Was there some seating? Could you buy? Uh, no, three sides were standing, and there was one side that was uh, seated. Um, no, there was an auction for lots of it. Um, some, yeah, we. Some of we it got, got nicked on the last day as well. <laughs> so. My mate had a bit of turf in his room for ages. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I think according to the to, um, uh, David Downs, this is off the top of my head. I could be wrong. I could be getting molded up. But I think there was, the, there was the last league game there, which was against Norwich. Is that right? Yeah, and that's right. Reading, Reading, in true glorious fashion, had already been relegated by that point. <laughs> and, um, but there was, I think the last actual game was a reserve game. After that, I seem to remember... Um, David the Downs last game I went to was against Sheffield Wednesday in a friendly. There might have been another one. Definitely, I'm not going to say I know more about this than David Downs. He knows far more about this than <laughs> yeah. me. He's a reliable source. Isn't he, he is a very reliable source. Yeah. Um, but we've we've got some pictures on the website from many years ago, actually, about the of, of the auction of people buying bits of the ground before it was closed and then subsequently pulled down. Um, but yeah, you, if you drove along there now, you wouldn't know there was ever there was ever a football ground there. I don't think just lots of expensive looking flats. Yeah, I know that there's a group of people that actually slept in tents on Elm Park after it had been shut down and everything. And I was asked whether they wanted to do it, and I thought that's a step too far for me. <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah, that that's. You know, I protect the identity of the people involved because I don't think it's fair. But I would say that no, I didn't feel comfortable with that. No. Fair enough. I can understand that. Um, all right, moving quickly on. Um, oh, sorry, just before we just before we do move on, Paul, what would you use to memorialise it aside from it? So you've got the burger. Is there anything anything else we would use to memorialise it? Because I thought of this question and then remembered you'd already answered it. So I've backed myself right into a corner here. <laughs> if I could, okay, yeah. Uh, apart <laughs> so from the um, uh, yeah, petrol <laughs> burger van, obviously, I don't think that's necessarily the way forward. I think um, if we could have anything there, it would be something simple, like a ball on the centre spot. That would be the obvious uh, yeah. thing to do. But I suspect there's a house that's been built right on yeah. that area. So... Yeah, no, it's just something. I mean, we were there for so long. We were there for over a hundred years in that ground. So to have it completely obliterated, no reminder. It's a bit disappointing, really. Yeah, it does. It does feel like that. All right. Yeah, sorry. Just very quickly, the the council are pretty good nowadays on preserving bits of things like Jacksons and stuff like that. It's all being all being redeveloped with the original. Um, original uh look and you know they, they, they're quite keen on that sort of stuff now but obviously back then there's you know there's some sort of oversight i guess i don't know um what exactly what was happening there but it is 
look in hindsight to not have anything is a bit is a bit sad i think a turnstile that would be nice just a turnstile somewhere oh, yeah. that was from around part. something simple like that and yeah yeah nothing just a reminder yeah but it hasn't happened and it's too late now i feel how long ago was it that the Medeski opened? Was it about 20 years? It was in 1998. So, yeah, as you uh, mentioned earlier, we managed to get relegated in the season before we moved to it. So um, oh. not the only club to have done that. Other clubs have done it. But these things happen, don't they? And we've mm. um, uh, bounced back, as Alan Partridge would say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving, moving on. Um, Hugh, a couple of weeks ago, we featured a unique Reading property. This was highlighted by Mr. Tim Dunn, the man behind the architecture, railway architecture series on the channel yesterday. Um, it's the unique Reading property with Greek style pillars, which is now Berkshire's most viewed home. Um, it was on that weird, I'd, I've already forgotten the name of the road, but it was in the Reading town centre. And it's that weird road that I went to have a little look around. And it's really, really, I just thought spooky and creepy. But um, what's going on? What's happened? What's the update? You're on mute, mate. This is bad. <laughs> Finally did it. I do this every morning during our news meeting, read out my whole list without realising and then <laughs> have to do it again. Um, yeah, so this uh, this house that we you discovered, Tom, that was um, tweeted earlier on is now um, it's top of the uh, the Zoopla most viewed list for, uh, for Berkshire, but also as of yesterday i think it's actually top of the zoopla most viewed list for the for the uk it's or it's in the top top 10 i'm not sure if it's at, right in the top but it's one of is the that most because we talked about it do you think almost certainly almost certainly. yeah mm -hmm. we'll claim that yeah <laughs> there's nothing to disprove that <laughs> absolutely right. nothing whatsoever to do with the fact that mr tim dunn has 49.5 thousand followers on twitter <laughs> At oh all. yeah i mean that contributed yeah. probably yeah he probably had a yeah. little hand in it yeah but yeah it's um it's i don't know if it's the thing about these property most viewed property stories is there's no equation between the amount of people looking at it on super and the amount of people who actually want to buy it and live in it yeah. so it is almost certainly because it's of its unusualness i think i just invented a word quite like it um but um yeah, it's uh, it's proving very popular amongst the people because it is a well-known pursuit of people, isn't it, to go onto property websites to look at and look at houses they they can never either afford or would actually rather not like to live in. Um, that is my main like pastime of an evening. Yeah, like castles, for example. There's always a few castles yeah. for sale on 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 uh, on Zoopla and right. Maybe you think, God, I'd love to live in a castle, and then you think actually probably upkeeps probably it's probably quite a demanding home <laughs> so yeah probably a bit you don't cold have to be practical well. when you're daydreaming though hugh no true yeah you don't have sorry. to think about the lecky bill do you <laughs> no sorry for relentlessly living in the real world yeah <laughs> i had no idea there was castles on zoopla you've opened up a whole new avenue for me oh yeah you know what paul's doing later the right wow. the right move blog if you ever have a look at the right move blog and you can you can buy a castle in uh dumbartonshire or someone like that for the same price as a flat in Reading. <laughs> <laughs> and you suddenly think, would that be a better life? <laughs> and then you think, living in the wilds of northern Scotland, probably not. <laughs> but, uh, With all this remote working now, we could be anywhere. 
We yeah. could, yeah. Could move, yeah, quite easily move abroad and no, you know, someone would say, Hugh, could you just pop down to Cavisham? There's a load of police and be like, eh, it might be a bit tricky. When's the next <laughs> I'm part? in the Bahamas right now. <laughs> Sorry yeah. about that. It was yeah. good enough for I'm a celebrity get me out of here to film yes. Hill's Spirit there in a castle. So if you had yeah. one and then rented it out, we minted. One of my mates who works in IT, he was going to move to um, Madeira because it's on exact it's exactly the same time zone but <laughs> and he can just do all his remote IT work from yeah probably wouldn't even need to tell his employer um it was a, it was the perfect crime but um I don't think he, I don't think he ever did <laughs> okay. yeah I, I had to live locally unfortunately um Hugh I know you're very excited as well there was one thing you wanted to mention um we've got an awful lot to get through in the intro so we're just trying to zip through it but Hugh you wanted to mention um a certain local celebrity who might or might not have a reading link and that's how we've squeezed him in here yes yeah, so I interviewed Timmy Mallet kids tv favorite Timmy Mallet and legend uh, the, the story is on the website um now which is what day is it Thursday um so it will be on the website also when this uh when this podcast is published barring any horrible le unexpected legal problems <laughs> let's hope timmy mallet doesn't come back on um he was such a nice guy he was so he's got a new book out called utterly brilliant um which details his uh, cycle ride from his home in cookham to uh, to spain um in memory of his brother and um but so we, we talked a bit about that, but we talked about how, how his life in Berkshire, one of his very favourite pursuits is cycling around the local area, to turning up at local sports games and stuff like that. And uh, he did promise to come and watch the mighty Twyford Ruskin <laughs> Cricket Club in action. So at some point in the summer, so be keeping an eye out, um, keeping an eye Fantastic. out for that. But he was he 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 has a real sort of passion for think all things local to him in where he lives near Maidenhead. Um, including Maidenhead United Football Club, Tom, you'll be pleased to know. Yes, I'm um, very happy about this news. And we talked about Wackaday, and um, and it was it was lovely. It was a lovely interview. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed speaking to him. And um, it's there for everyone to see on the site as we speak. You know, later on, I'm going to be on YouTube looking for Wackaday, and I'm going to do it under the pretense that I was going to, I'm going to show Zach but it is actually just for myself <laughs> to be nostalgic. It's quality it was... TV. I remember watching mm -hmm. it as a kid in the morning and just thinking, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. Just imagine going on TV and playing Mallet's Mallet. It would it would have been a dream. <laughs> Absolute dream. The man is a the man is a natural born. Um, I watched the Wacky Day as part of researching the story, and he's a nat he is such a natural he put on this earth to present TV, kids TV. Um and that kind Does of comes across. Does he still do any TV stuff? I suppose he does I a lot of the article, don't I? But he yeah. does a lot of kind of nostalgia stuff online. So he does online mallets mallet with people of our about our age, right? Rach and Tom and <laughs> Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, like well, yeah. the other one, the other one similar is uh, is it Dave Benson Phillips? Yeah, Dave, another one. Yeah, born you know, born born to this earth to be uh, yeah. to be to work with kids. Um, and yeah, and the. He's 65 now, Timmy Mallet, but he still, he what? looks, I know, yeah, he looks, he plays a lot of sport, does a lot of cycling, still plays football with his friends and stuff oh. like that, so he's a very, in terrific shape. Um, doesn't look 65, Hugh. Doesn't look 65, he looks a bit older than he was in Wackaday 30 years, 30 mm. odd years ago, but he, yeah, he's in, he's in good nick. <laughs> 
and he wants to play Malik's Who do you Malik. Who's like? Oh, sorry. I was just about to say it, there's a bit in the book which I, I read read um, uh, before I interviewed him. The, he, he wants to play Malik's Malik with Mrs. Thatcher. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I, sort of. He was. He was in Parliament playing Malik's Malik with some of the children of the then MPs, and she came along and asked what was going on. And there's, he's got a picture of his house of her, him pretending to Malik, Mrs. Thatcher. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's nice. Oh dear! Right. Um, the Who do you final... think would be the modern day equivalent? Is maybe Mr. Tumble, Justin Fletcher? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Local Tumble. boy. Yeah. Yeah, you need to get him on your interview list as well. I do. Ooh. Right. I'll turn my camera off. Last one, last bit. Um, this is very quick. Um, so my father-in-law has been delving into Ancestry.com uh, and has discovered a rather fantastic link. Uh, it turns out that my wife is the first cousin three times removed of Charles Dance. Nice. Wow. That's, nice. Cool. That's a nice find. That's yeah. Charles Dance, I instantly think that's what got me hooked into Game of Thrones. That's yeah. early scene in Game of Thrones when Charles Dance appears yeah. and he's skinning a deer. <laughs> yes. And I thought, this Oh nice. This is good. This is good stuff. <laughs> One for the vegans. Yes. <laughs> it was a different time, Paul. Yes. Oh yeah. Everything's justified, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Technically it was a decade ago now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know when Crikey. So are you going to be inviting Charles Dance round for barbecue when COVID why, rules well, allow? I mean, or? You know, I, 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 why not? Yeah. Mm, why not? Reach out this to the family. This is a discovery, is it, Tom? This was yes. not known before, no. beforehand. No, this um, was not known. So, yeah, they're, they're not close then. So to invite him round for, for a barbecue in Burfield, in uh, Burfield <laughs> Common would be a good... Would be a good, good, good result for you. Yes, I think so. I think so. Certainly, <laughs> certainly work with the neighbours. I would think getting them all on side. Um, did you see right. that one where Daddy Dyer did yes. um, his ancestry and turned out he was related to royalty, didn't it? <laughs> yes, that was uh, that was, was a bit crazy. That yeah. Um, right. Shall we move on? Uh, it's time for the headlines. Uh, but before then, here's Jeremy with how you can get in touch with the show. Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreddingpodcast.co.uk Find us on Twitter and Instagram at realreddingpod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thanks, Jeremy. We are starting our big headline section. Um, part, what is this part? No, I've, I've forgotten. I've forgotten how we do this whole thing. Um, oh, God. Do, do we really want to talk about Banksy again? Um, Banksy, what's going on? Hugh, what's going on with Banks? I'll try and summarise it in uh, in bullet point form. Okay, cool. Uh, early, this, early this month, the Banksy drawing appeared on Reading Prison. Too much excitement. Then Banksy confirmed it was an original Banksy, much more excitement. Then the original Banksy already prison was vandalised by uh, with a tag called Team Robbo, which refers to a legendary feud between Banksy and King Robbo dating back many years. King Robbo is, uh, died uh, in 2014, um, but his followers um, clearly are still around. Um, the, the, two group, the two artists would... Um, 
would sort of deface each other's work, adding very clever little nuanced bits to the existing work around the country. And that would go backwards and forwards for a while. And that has now come to Reading. So, so Robbo defaced the Reading prison work. And then another typewriter that is a section of the Reading prison work appeared on Reading bridge. Um, too much more excitement and then that was defaced again by another team robo tag and subsequently another bit of art has appeared on the same bridge covering up that tag and it looks very fancy-esque but that has not been confirmed as far as i know today and as far as i know today i'm not in the office so i haven't seen the latest gossip um i'm not in the office i'm never in the office i'm not working i'm off um but as far as I'm aware, that is the latest, and that latest bit of artwork has yet to be touched again, and hopefully it won't. <laughs> mm. Otherwise, we'll have an ongoing saga go which goes on forever, which will eventually turn it reading into one giant Banksy style <laughs> art artwork, which um, might be quite nice. But um, yeah, was it confirmed the the when the typewriter appeared on Reading Bridge? Um, was that confirmed as Banksy or is it? No, nothing's been confirmed about the bridge at all. Um, what is possible? Banksy works with stencils and that's why he's able to do these amazing artworks, you know, overnight quite quickly. Yeah. And what is possible, I would guess, is that someone else could use that same technique to quite good effect if you were that sort of artistically inclined to create uh, something that looks similar. That said, it could well be a Banksy, I don't know, but... Um, it didn't look quite as crisp as the No, one no, the, yeah, the, it's not exactly... If you think Banksy would come to Reading and use exactly the same stencil to create exactly the same uh, painting, and there are some sort of very small differences in the typewriter, mm. um, and I, I don't know if this new drawing... Um, how that's come about um he hasn't confirmed it but he took quite a while to confirm the last one i think it was something like 10 8 to 10 days after it yeah. appeared um so i'd be surprised if this this new work on the bridge was a genuine banksy as well but it could be um mm. which would make reading a very um you know very interesting place for fans of banksy and his work to come to visit and it's certainly very interesting and it's a proper saga and it's a proper sort of to and throw toing and throwing um ongoing thing. So it's kept us busy, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> well, um so oh, I don't know, is it is it has Banksy so he's not he's not said it's him. Um how do we feel about Banksy? Do we wish that this was now just over? Um Paul, what do you what do you think? Oh, Rachel, I can't. Oh, you, Rachel's gone. Um, Paul, what do you what no, do you think? No, I've turned the camera off because ah, it was okay. making the audio lag. I think. Ah, um, Paul, what do you think? What do you make of it? Uh I think we've reached point saturation point, haven't we? Really? Yeah. I started down there on Saturday night to look at the one on Reading Bridge, and I thought, no, that's a knockoff. It's interesting. It's definitely interesting. But it's got to the point when you just think, no, I'm bouncing out now. I I've just reached the levels where I don't want to go anymore. <laughs> it's kind of, nah, it's done. Graffiti, okay. nah. Right, obviously you are uh, within 
strolling distance of the Banksy. Are I you am. sick of it? Are you sick of people parking down your street because that's the only space left to see Banksy? Is it driving you crazy? No, it's not driving ah. me crazy. I think the original one on the prison was very exciting, although it did. we did wander down there and it was a bit crazy, the numbers of people of which we added to that number. So I, I'm not being critical, um, but it was quite busy with people there to have a look at it and the traffic was really heavy and stuff. But I think it's exciting for the town, especially with all the ongoing prison dramas of what's going to become of it. And then the one on the bridge... Um, yeah, it keeps the saga going. I mean, I'm not watching it like a hawk to see what happens next, but it's it's quite interesting, yeah. Well, that's that's Banksy. That's in a nutshell. Banksy is done. Um, headline two I wanted to, we were going to talk about was um, the news that Reading's John Lewis um, will, will reopen. There was some doubt as to which stores would reopen. Um, I, I put a little poll up on twitter just before we started recording today i think overwhelmingly the responses have been a big sigh of relief that oh Reading's, yes um the, the poll i put up was uh, simply how important is john lewis to Reading's high street um so rachel I'll, I'll send this one straight to you to start with how important is Reading's john lewis to Reading's high street oh well yeah from my point of view this is very good news for a couple of different reasons um Firstly, because I'm on maternity leave at the moment, um, John Lewis is the place to go when you have a small person um, because of the cafe and it's got good like baby facilities and things there. So with, with Zachary, I spent a lot of time in John Lewis and if it wasn't going to reopen, that would have been yeah. a shame from my point of view. Um, and then also from my husband Rich's point of view, he's a... A retail manager within stone's throw distance of John Lewis and um, he was very nervous that if it didn't reopen then that would have a huge impact on the footfall in the town centre yeah. which then would have a, a big knock-on effect to him and his his shop so and then there's obviously all this stuff around people's jobs and it's a big store it employs a lot of people it would have been a bit of a disaster but I, I was always quite hopeful that it, it wouldn't close because with Debenhams going and House of Fraser, I don't even know if that's going to open or not um, in a couple of weeks. But for John Lewis to go as well would have been a disaster. And I think a lot of customers who would have perhaps gone to Debenhams or House of Fraser will come to John Lewis as they share a lot of concessions. So it would have been an unusual decision um if hopefully they would attract all that footfall that would previously have gone elsewhere so i personally for those reasons have breathed a sigh of relief as i know my friends in similar boats have also done hugh as someone who doesn't go into town anymore um what what was your kind of reaction what were your what were your hopes or fears and as someone who kind of understands the the planning process and all that kind of thing uh yeah well yeah one of my one of my thoughts was when we did the first story when John Lewis sort of said we're, we're closing stores we're not going to say which ones just yet which was last week I think um, I thought well, the Reading one does close what on earth would you put in there instead and um, I also kind of thought surely they won't close ones in Reading the one in Reading either um, but um, yeah it's, an, it's certainly a it's kind of a sort of central 
point in a way, isn't it, John Lewis? And it employs, like Rachel said, it employs, employs a lot of people and brings, you know, it's always sort of busy when I have been in there. And it's an inter- it's quite it's quite an interesting place to go in, to wander around. And um, I always get lost when I go in there, I must admit. <laughs> suddenly find myself, oh, there's the exit, and you're in a completely different part of town. And you're like, ah. And, um, and it's got a lot of it's got a lot of the history, isn't it? It was healers before. It's been in Reading. It's one of the oldest John Lewis's around, I think. 1953. Right. It's been um, in Reading in various forms. Um, it would just be really sad, and it'd be for at least while well, someone decided what on earth they'd do with it if it did close. It'd be a great big empty thing right in the middle of the town. And um, like like Rich correctly says, it brings a lot of people in, sort of into Reading and wandering up and down those those streets to into shop. Yeah. Um, and and it would be a real sign also the the trouble the high street in general is in. Um, if stores like that were to close, um, just quickly on just quickly on House of Fraser, Rach, it is it's not reopening. It's being turned into the um, indoor golf, uh, I think bowling and restaurants and stuff like that. That unit. Okay. Um, yeah, I knew that was happening at some point, but I just wasn't sure whether. I think House of Fraser is closed. No, I, no, I don't know. That's just a place I never go in. So. Do Do you think, as as a as a panel, do you think that the loss of how of the loss of John Lewis, if it had gone, would have been greater than the loss of Debenhams or House of Fraser? Is it is is John Lewis more important than those two? Yes. To yeah. me, yes. Yeah, definitely. How How well, come? How come, Paul? I think it's just seen as an iconic shop in Red Town Centre as well. And the amount mm. of people it employs as well is probably greater, I would say, than Debenhams or House of Freighter. House of Freighter is particularly big. But I just feel that historically it's such an important part. It's so central. It's right in the middle of Red Town Centre yeah. as well. If you remove that knock-on effect from other shops, like people like where Rachel's husband works, would be absolutely huge. And the footfall would dramatically drop. I mean, I, it's a regular place that I would go into, but I would also say it should be called Healus. That's the name. <laughs> yes. And it should I, not be John Lewis. <laughs> I, my favourite thing about John Lewis is the fact that in the brick wall on the side down, what's the uh, what's the street near Gun Street? And you walk, it's the walkway, and it's got Healus. Is that what in, it's called? I think next to Bills, and it's got Healus written into the wall in brick. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's, it's a department store in the truest sense of the yeah. word, isn't it? That you yeah. could go into John Lewis and you could get almost anything you could ever want in you there. Do all your Christmas shopping in one place. That's what yeah. I always used to remember it. Remember it for. This was this was something I was going to point out. I think if if John Lewis wasn't there, that's 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 my Christmas shopping up the spout. I'd have to seriously <laughs> rethink my my strategy without John Lewis. I've always had three breakfasts in there as well, so that always slightly makes me love the place because I used to know somebody worked in there <laughs> when I was a teenager, and they'd be like, "Oh, I've accidentally got this." I mean, I won't, I won't say who it was, but it was brilliant. It was brilliant, free food, and uh, yeah, I've got other stuff from there. But let's move on. <laughs> it's twice on today's podcast that Paul hasn't been willing to name his co-conspirators. <laughs> I will not mention Claire Delamere's name. <laughs> Um, we'll uh, we'll we'll just uh, we'll just move on to the final piece and pull this one involves you a little bit. Um, 
I don't always want to talk about football when you're on, Paul, and especially Reading FC, but it seems a shame not to. So that Reading have a Hall of Fame. I did not know this. Uh, no, uh, it's not kind of, it's not there, but it's one of those things that Reading Football Club and Star, the supporters, the right. trust, kind of, I don't think they've maximised how it should be kind of publicised. And I think they've, I think they could do slightly better job of it, but I suspect that's a combination of Reading FC. <sighs> Can be tricky to deal with. Let's put it that way. Because <laughs> you, what you want is them on like the stones, like on in uh, in Hollywood. That's what you want, mm. or, or or on the walls, or on the outside of the or pick, big pictures on the like the, um, the 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 that wonderful big mural of uh, of Eamon Dolan that's up there. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I, I find it amazing. Um, I'll move back to the Hall of Fame in a moment, but I find it amazing that we haven't got a statue of our greatest ever goal scorer or anything there at the ground, Trevor Senior. Surely they could have something there, but I don't know why they don't. But the Hall of Fame looked like it was really good fun. Had lots of good people on there, Joby mm. McEnough, Steve Sidwell, Shane Long. So I'm sure it was really good. I'd go and watch it. Um, I'd recommend anyone to watch it because those people giving up their time to be on it and they are all Reading FC legends at different degrees. So, yeah, it sounded like a fun evening. Go and check it out. It, the, the current inductees, I think it goes back right back to the 1870s, mm. the, the ones they've um, the ones they've, they've put in there, which is which is great. So, um, yeah, it, it does seem a shame that I, I've, I, I think, Hugh, I've said this to you quite a lot, but I never feel like the, the area, the space around the Medeski is maximised for that fan experience. I just, nothing about it makes me want to go there. And I, I, I realise I'm saying that as someone who goes to uh, ramshackle non-league football grounds, but I, it just didn't, I, I, you know, I, I feel like there's a load they could do. That we, really sorry, I just want to say something yeah. here that um, uh, I can explain the situation there is that the part outside the ground is owned half by ties and half by the current owners. Ah, it's okay. a very complicated situation. So, admittedly, uh, there was a better person up there running something a while ago, but I won't mention Blue Collar again because <laughs> it's yes. so <laughs> It did improve it, but that, yet again, the club have moved him out. So yeah. that won't be there next season, whenever we're allowed back in. But, yeah, sorry to cut across you there. That's no, all right. No, 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 that's no, fine. Um, obviously, we've we've spoken, Rach, with you about, you know, perhaps taking Zachary up there. Um, it, it's... Yeah, I mean, I, I, it'd be nice. What these, these should be? These should be big portraits on the outside of the ground, at the very least, or you know, points where perhaps above the of different gates, so you can you can highlight, you can say where you're going in, and and things like that. I'd, I don't know, just wistful. Yeah, I, I did notice I when I looked through the I looked through the list of names of said Hall of Fame, and um, I'm going to do a poll now. I'm not going to name names, <laughs> but um, my. Well, no, I am. Why not? Yeah. So, um, Kevin Dillon's son is my neighbour. So I was like, oh, yeah. Perhaps I could uh, tap him up to go, get, go up to the ground and, um, you know, get treated a bit nicely. Maybe that would be exciting for Zach's first game, wouldn't it? But yeah, yeah I didn't realise yeah. his dad was in the Hall of Fame. But then I didn't Kevin know Dillon's it existed until I read this. Kevin so. Dillon's a Reading legend, right? I know. Yeah, I met him on the is. doorstep. Yeah. It was ever so awkward. Because yeah. I, I did the he whole... such a heavy accent. <laughs> Hi, Kevin. <laughs> like <this. laughs> I love Very it. Very embarrassing. 
Right. Um, that is the end of part one. Um, we will move swiftly into part two and the random question. The random question. Welcome back to part two. Um, we have got roughly 12 minutes left to finish this part of the podcast. Um, so we are into the random question. And I wanted to skew this a little bit slightly from what I've written. But basically, if your food is bad at a restaurant, would you say something? Because I wouldn't. Absolutely not. No way. And then I was thinking, well, what if, what if say, I was at my favorite restaurant and the food was bad? Would I say something? McDonald's. Even less. No way. Absolutely no way. I'd write it off as a one-off and go back the following week and just hope to God it was better. It, I've been thinking about this one and it I've I've actually got an answer this week. It depends oh, okay. how invested you are in that right. meal. So if yeah. I went to McDonald's and the chips were a bit cold, no, it's cost me a fiver and it's a quick meal. I don't expect it to be incredible. Um if I was in a pub and like the meal wasn't quite up to scratch, I might sort of say, oh. but I'd do it in a very British way. I'd be very apologetic about the fact that <laughs> I'm you so sorry, made my meal. Yeah. I'm so sorry that you haven't made my meal very nice for me, but oh gosh, would you possibly mind microwaving it or something? Um, and then I was just thinking back to um, uh, years ago when I organised my best friend's Hendu, which wasn't in Reading, it was in Cheltenham, but I'd booked this a really lovely restaurant oh. um, for this very special meal, and I'd paid to get the table decorated and all of this stuff, and it was just an absolute disaster. Oh. The food was awful. So everything about it was just a disaster, and I was heartbroken. And I, I kind of spoke to the staff a couple of times, like, oh, guys, like this is a bit rubbish. This is not. This is not right. And in the end, I, and I've never, to, I've never done this again, and I can't quite believe I did it this time. I was so upset. I walked up to the restaurant manager, and I said, "You and I need to step outside for a minute." Step outside. Step outside, and he was like, "What? Why?" And I said, "Because I am actually going to go a bit, po like, not physically beat him up or anything, but I, I am going to go postal." because I'm so upset and we either do that here in front of everybody or we go outside and we talk about how awful this experience has been. So we stepped outside and I just went, this was awful. This was awful. I've spent all the, I booked this restaurant like four months ago for my best friend and it was supposed to be incredible and it's been ruined by all these horrible things. And we did end up getting a bottle of champagne and a round of cocktails for the whole table. So there was, you know, they try to redeem themselves, but yeah. So that's my answer. It depends how invested you are in the meal. Right. Oh, God, um, I mean, I feel all like hit up now just talking about it. I'm all like, <laughs> my hands are clenched. Let it go. I feel really cross <laughs> about it. <laughs> Let Paul, it go. Yeah. Um, take Paul, we obviously you've mentioned you've mentioned uh, blue collar food. Would you say to Glenn if something wasn't very good? Oh yeah, and I want a full refund. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I would, I would honestly say, but then he accept that. I wouldn't want any money back, of course. Right. But um, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. But if I was going into a restaurant, I think Rachel's right that 
if you're spending five pounds or something god I, you can't complain about that I, I would never do that these also about the size of place you're in if it's a small individual place i'd be far 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 less inclined to make a complaint about anything if it's a massive chain i'd be more likely it depends on price but then i also think that if you make a complaint about food quite often it's the person who's serving you they get deducted out of their wages and mm -hmm. the worst thing is if they leave deliver food late so i had this wagamama once they gave me a free meal even though i didn't ask for it because it had gone over 25 minutes or something and i felt guilty about that because i didn't even want the free meal and i know they take it off their wages oh. So it's, I didn't know what to do about that. But is it if, if I went to someone like the Woodspeen, a Michelin-style restaurant, I would think, yeah, I probably would complain if I thought it was really not good. If I thought it was okay, no, I wouldn't. It would have to be pretty bad, to be honest. Yeah, I, don't, I think, I don't know. I'm just, I think I just, I, I unfortunately, this is far too much about my character. I think I would just have to go and never go back. <laughs> Is a good option. Yeah, that I, is a good option. Yeah, I've left what I hope is is the best till last with you, Hugh, as the um, nephew of a food critic, uh, of a, of a well-known food critic. I, I wonder, Hugh, yeah. I think you you will have the definitive opinion on this. He once said to me actually about this. Who about who's this? Just just remind us. Matthew Fort, the uh, famous famous food critic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he said you always have to remember that the person you're complaining to isn't the person who, who cooked your dinner and um it's true and it's quite a wise thing to say i used to work as a waiter many years ago in a not in the old bell in graisley which so this is 20 years ago i don't know what it's like now um i don't even know if it's still there um but uh yeah so people we quite often would take out microwave frozen food meals and stuff like that to people and then they would say excuse me this food i've ordered is still frozen in the middle <laughs> and you'd say i'm terribly sorry and then i would go back into the kitchen and then have an argument with the chefs saying <laughs> i haven't was, I was a bit, I was a bit brash a bit brash in those days i say all you had to do with this to make is to make sure it's hot <laughs> and you failed um, and now I've just got an earful from someone because of it. Could you, in future, please ensure the food is at least warm? And then they never used to take that very well. Um, and so um, I'm always kind of aware of, like, 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 say, who you're talking to. And unless it's terrible, inedible, or there's, you know, you find a, like a bit of metal or something in your dinner, or, and then you, there's a, you might, you might, um, you might mention it. But generally speaking, yeah, just sit and sit and grin and bear it, or you know, it's not it's not necessarily someone's fault if you, you order something you don't like either. There's, you know, no, it's, it's a very different. That's, yeah, that's very a, different. Yeah, it's perception, isn't it? Something you find is disgusting is not necessarily disgusting. It's just disgusting to you. But if it's cold or if it's you know got bit things that shouldn't be there in it, then you're probably entitled to mention it to someone in a very polite way. <laughs> I'm terribly sorry. I know this isn't your fault. But could you have a word with those idiots in the kitchen and make sure it's at least warm? Has your uncle ever told you, Hugh, like what the best restaurant he's ever eaten in was? Or maybe even um, the best restaurant in Reading? He 
Well, he in Berkshire, we've got the Fat Duck and the Waterside Inn in, in Bray, in, in Maidenhead. Highly in accessible to yes. the, the, the yeah, regular to the common man. Yes. Book up, Been book there up now times. for your table next October. <laughs> taste a menu of £275. I've been there so much. I used to go there every week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eat, fat Duck, just stick your own around the door, see if they've got a table spare. Heston, yeah. Heston can, you, can you fit us in? <laughs> um he, yeah, no, no, Tom. Those are <laughs> those are the sort of those are the sort of places he he goes to. Um, to more the common man, I don't think he 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 doesn't live anywhere near here, so he would only come um, to something very special for work for review purposes. And there's not really anything. He took me to Lauterland when I was a little one for my first when I was oh about eleven. When I was about eleven, I had a God. Um, I, uh, I had a lasagna made with longestines, which was really nice. <laughs> I remember that. I can't remember what else we had. Um, but he then sat and chatted to the chef, who was a guy called John Burton Race, I believe, um, who I think went on I'm a Celebrity many years ago. Yeah, I do um, recognise that name. I think it was him. Hopefully I'm not libeling him, but they, he swore a lot. We went and had a chat with him afterwards, and he swore a lot. <laughs> that, was, that was all I remember him constantly swearing. Um, but yeah, so no, no, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anywhere around here that he would he would recommend, apart from the very, very, very high end places. Oh, um, I'd love to go to the Lauterland. Nah, I wouldn't. Oh, I would, just once, just for I've the experience. That, I'd feel I've so out of place recently. there. But where's your ideal venue then, Tom, for a meal in uh, the Reading area? Where would you be your uh, number one spot? Cutting man. The Canning Man. Really? Oh. He doesn't live near it anymore, does he? Oh, he does. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh, do it's it's probably, yeah, it's probably equidistant yes. between your two, your two homes. Uh. Yes. Ah. Yes, it absolutely is equidistant between the uh, between the two places that I've lived recently. Um, and was that on, key in your decision making of where to No, 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 no. <laughs> the only thing that was key in the decision making was is it on the bus route to the Nags Head? Simple. <laughs> uh, point, yeah. The answer is yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, right, shall we wrap it up, guys? Get in touch with the team. Email hello at realreadingpodcast.co.uk. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Real Reading Pod and join our Facebook group by searching Real Reading Podcast. Thank yeah. you very much for your time this week, Paul. Uh, thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Hugh. Um, that's enough for this week. We'll be back with plenty more next week. Um, we might have an interview next week. We've had some interest in people talking to us and doing some interviews, so we might cut out a lot of this claptrap that we've been banging on about. Just all the podcast quality might just be an audio, hour and a half. you mean? Podcast <laughs> might just be an hour and a half. Who knows? Who knows? Content, Who knows? I think, are yes. fun. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag content. Um, <laughs> If you have a moment, please give us a rating on your podcast app. And if you have time, please submit a review. We'll be back for more Reading Podcast goodness. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Real Reading Podcast. <laughs>